Blog Talk Radio.
Oh no. 
ደረሷ ወደ ላስራ አሸጋገረለት አስር ያታለለ ነው አስራ ታልፎ ለብሰው ይሰጣል ወጣይ ወደ ወሩ ፋሳቢ እንደሄደ
Welcome back, and uh, you're listening to the Pan-African Journal Worldwide Radio Broadcast, and uh, we're broadcasting live today uh, on Saturday, May 7th, uh, 2022, uh, from our studios in downtown Detroit. That was the music of Gigi uh, from the Horn of Africa State of Ethiopia uh, here on the 81st anniversary of Victory Day, uh, the victory over Italian imperialism and fascism 
uh, which had occupied Ethiopia between 1935 and 1941. And uh, that holiday uh, was commemorated earlier this week uh, in the Federal Democratic Republic of Ethiopia. Right now, we want to move into our Pan-African Newswire segment uh, of our program. Our lead story uh, deals with the current situation uh, in uh, Eastern Europe and Ukraine. The United States has, in fact, admitted that it is involved in coordinating Ukraine's combat operations and thereby is participating in military actions against Russia. The Russian State Duma Speaker, uh, Vyacheslav Volodin, uh, said earlier today, the U.S. is taking part in the military operations in Ukraine, he wrote on his Telegram channel. Today, uh, Washington is basically coordinating and engineering military operations, thus directly participating in the military actions against our country. The Speaker of the Lower House of Russia's Parliament pointed out that he was not speaking only about the supply of arms and hardware. By demanding that leaks about intelligence exchange with Ukraine be plugged, U.S. President Joe Biden admitted that Washington had been declassified, Volodin said. The U.S. leadership should also be held accountable for the crimes committed by Kiev Nazi regime in Ukraine, thus expanding the list of war criminals, he concluded. In other news, uh, Russian air defenses downed 17 Ukrainian unmanned aerial vehicles, three Torchayu missiles, and nine Smurs missiles uh, just on Friday evening. That's according to the Russian Defense Ministry spokesman, Major General Igor Konashevkov. I uh, said this uh, earlier today. According to him, the drones were drowned and downed in the Nikolaev region, as well as uh, near uh, the Senalonye, uh, Luka Skoye, uh, Kraskon Korovka, uh, Yasin Novtoye, and Zugraz in the Donetsk People's Republic. The Ojino settlement in the Kursan region, uh, the Shernesh Shina settlement in the Kharkov region. Chinkov added that three uh, Choka U missiles and nine Smurf missiles had been intercepted above the city of Isayom in the Kharkov region. Russia's missile and artillery forces hit 240 Ukrainian military targets just last night. Uh, missiles and artillery forces targeted 44 command posts and 196 strong points of the Ukraine military in areas where Ukrainian troops and military equipment were deployed, the Russian Defense Ministry spokesman noted. According to the ministry, the Russian armed forces destroyed 152 Ukrainian aircraft, 112 uh, helicopters, 762 unmanned aerial vehicles, 295 air defense systems, 2,895 tanks and other armored combat vehicles, 333 multiple rocket launchers, 1,364 field artillery pieces and mortars, as well as 2,716 military motor vehicles since the start of Russia's special military operation in Ukraine on February the 24th. And in other news uh, taking place uh, around the world, uh, with specific uh, reference uh, to uh, developments uh, on uh, the African continent, uh, in uh, the Horn of Africa state of Ethiopia, uh, on Thursday, the country celebrated the 81st anniversary of Victory Day, which marked the final defeat of the invading fascist Italy uh, after five years of occupation of most parts of Ethiopia. In the capital of Addis Ababa, it was celebrated uh, near 
deal, and I'm hard word that translates to victory. Statue stands uh, in the center of the Arako Kilu. Surviving Ethiopian patriots, uh, residents of uh, Addis Ababa, and senior government officials, including President Saleh Work, uh, Zwede, attended the celebration. This year, Ethiopia is celebrating it at a time its unity is being challenged by radical and ethnic religious groups. Most of the message from patriots, government officials, and residents stress the importance of standing together to defeat what many Ethiopians and government officials believe to be radical ethnic and religious groups who are on a mission to implement the external enemy's agenda to disintegrate uh, the Federal Democratic Republic of Ethiopia. As we have learned from the patriots, the secret of victory is patriotism, President Saleh Work Zwede said, uh, as reported uh, by the Ethiopian state media. For that to happen, we Ethiopians have to support one another, she added. She also stressed that supporting one another and standing together is not a matter of option. She said it should be understood as our obligation. Furthermore, she stressed that we should carry out our day-to-day job in cooperation. Another key message that he conveyed during her speech at the ceremony is that all work uh, that we do for Ethiopia and in every sector should be approached in the spirit of patriotism. Surviving Ethiopian patriots who have happened uh, to attend the celebration at Arat Kilo told Ethiopian news agency state media that forces that do not want Ethiopia's peace and stability are attempting moves under the cover of religion. If all Ethiopians stand together, we should overcome the challenge, they said. They added that Ethiopians from all religions are paid in blood and life, and the youth should be careful not to be lulled by radical religious groups. The youth has a responsibility to maintain Ethiopia as a country and should be extremely cautious not to be diverted by forces with a destructive agenda. Abi Ahmed, the prime minister on his part, conveyed a brief message on social media sharing his views of patriotism. He said, patriotism is a sacrifice that a country on issues of truth and conviction. Our heroic mothers and fathers have paid in life to defend their country's freedom and sovereignty. Today we are those paid in life, and we, their children, need to assure that we are patriots ready to pay sacrifice for our countries before patriots honored prosperity, he said. You're listening to the Pan-African Newswire segment of the Pan-African Journal. In other news, uh, in South Sudan, the government has refused refuted claims that President Salva Kiir was unwell, saying the latter is in, quote, good health, unquote. In an interview with the Sudan Tribune uh, just two days ago, Cabinet Affairs Minister Martin Alia Lumoro advised the public to ignore hateful rumors coming from critics abroad and on social media against the South Sudanese leader. People should not listen uh, to lies on social media and those spreading hate in the diaspora. I have been with uh, His Excellency the President, and I can assure you he is fine, healthy, and working now as I speak to you. His voice has improved, and there is no problem with it, explained the minister. He added his care's health is perfect. There is nothing to worry about. Last week, concerns arose after the South Sudanese leader failed to speak at the film service of the fallen Kenyan leader, Mwai Kabaki. Kenya's uh, president, Uhuru Kenyatta, announced uh, at Nyong'o 
stadium that his South Sudanese counterpart could not speak due to a voice challenge. But the cabinet affairs minister, who spoke on behalf of Kier, downplayed the situation, insisting the latter is now is healthy and working normally. Separately, South Sudan's information minister, uh, Michael Nkwe, equally confirmed that President Kier has now recovered and was in good health. Uh, he instead wondered uh, whether someone who fails sick uh, never recovers. McQuay, also the government spokesperson, disputed rumors that the president underwent a knee surgery during his recent visit to the United Arab Emirates, saying Kier was on a working visit to the Gulf country. The president is in good health and is now in the country, he stressed. Multiple sources at the presidency, however, told Sudan Tribune they have not seen the president chatting normally with his aides and security officers since he returned to the young nation, an indication uh, he is either too tired or exhausted. And finally, in the Republic of South Africa, the African National Congress, future remains under threat uh, with uh, outgoing Eastern Cape convener Oscar Mabunyani flagging poor quality of membership, uh, rampant corruption, corruption, and state capture as some of the party's continuing challenges. Uh, Mabunyani delivered his political report uh, earlier today in East London. The governing party's uh, second largest province is electing new leadership this weekend. As the sun sets on the first day of the ANC Eastern Cape province, the business of the conference is only just taking shape. His political report, Mamuyani, focused most of his attention on the renewal project and a need for the ANC to separate itself from the corrupt networks and those whose values are not aligned to those of the party. Even the outcome of the Zondo Commission should be viewed as an opportunity uh, for the ANC uh, to do deep soul searching and examine our process, systems and cultures on whether they are truly aligned to the rule of law, constitution, and the expectations of society. He also called on the ANC to focus its efforts on regaining public trust, which has been waning, waning over the years. Amabuyani is hoping to return to the helm of the party in the province, but will have to beat uh, Babalo Marikasela, uh, a traditional ally of his, in order to do so. Meanwhile, in an attempt to adopt credentials, will soon get underway, a process which could easily last until the morning. The media will not be allowed in the plenary during uh, this process. Well, there has been some talk about negotiations between the two main opposing groups in the battle uh, to control the ANC in the Eastern Cape. The National Executive Committee members backing Mabuyani says his opponent, uh, Marika Zela, is attempting to force them into initiating negotiations. This as the provincial task team itself failed to manage attempts to get the lobby groups to the negotiation table. According to the various uh, domestic uh, news agencies, uh, there have been at least three attempts to start talks with some of the province initiating a formal way to go about this. The Eastern Cape's Ninth Province Conference outcomes are expected to have a major influence on what takes place when the ANC holds its national conference in uh, December. And with that, uh, we're going to conclude Pan-African Newswire segment uh, of our program. We'd like to remind our listeners that the Pan-African Newswire is an international electronic press service. It is designed to foster intelligent discussions on the affairs of African people throughout the continent and the world. 
The press agency was founded in January of 1998, and since then it has published thousands upon thousands of articles and dispatches in numerous newspapers, magazines, journals, research reports, and on blogs and websites throughout the world. The Pan-African Newswire represents the only daily international news source on Pan-African and global affairs. If you'd like to log on to the Pan-African Newswire so that you can stay abreast of some of the most pressing and burning issues of the day, all you have to do is go to our website at panafricannews.blogspot.com. That's panafricannews.blogspot.com. And if you'd like to have access uh, to today's Pan-African Journal, Worldwide radio broadcast, just go to the Pan African Radio Network. That's at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Pan African Journal. That's blogtalkradio.com forward slash Pan African Journal. We'll take a break. We'll be back uh, with more of the Pan African Journal for this week. Thomas, the ruler of my heart. 
And uh, as we mentioned uh, in uh, the Pan-African Newswire segment, uh, the uh, African National Congress is holding its uh, provincial uh, conference in the Eastern Cape uh, this weekend. We want to bring you some excerpts uh, from uh, those deliberations. Let's listen in. Let's go back to that conference now. We do know it's underway. Let's listen in. Comrades, who call Umdu as a platforming, please give the person uh, a respect that we gave to you. I call a comrade, man. Come, comrade. There is someone on the floor. Are you sure it ought to lay? Please, comrade. You had raised your hand earlier. That is now changing to becoming an order. It was a normal end. Okay. Is there a second microphone here, comrades? Is there a second microphone? Because I hear order, they are smiling order. The bomb begins to say, I am coming here, order. Nancy, order. Salo. Eh. Ikamalam Jungum Nanguchula. Did delegate Yamanyani to the conference? The raiser, a point of order. Kuma, ma oti we delegate yase Max Masingos di chisalo. Apa we ANC aiko irichino kwa Max Masingos. Umisplaced. Eh, magaye Max Masingos tamu weni ndao no tapan. Nazo ge a point of order sal. Okay. Comrades, can we go back? I'm a kabad. Makabad.
Comrades, please, those of you who have got seats there, please sit down. Let's only deal with those that are standing. Comrades, please. Comrades, please, whoever has a seat, sit down. Please. Comrades, whoever has a seat, sit down. Comrades, we have now occupied all the chairs here for the delegates. What we want to plead with you, comrades, is that let's use now the available space. When we come back in the closed session, we will ensure that everyone sits where they are supposed to sit. But for now, let's allow the chairperson to proceed with the program so that we are not delayed. When we come back for the closed session, we will sort out all the problems of the chairs so that everyone can sit where they are supposed to sit. All of us here who have allowed the space, you can see even the members of the PTT are standing. So comrades, please, let's allow the program director and the chairperson of the session to proceed with the program so that we can continue the business of the day. During the closed session, when we go out for lunch, we will sort out the problem of chairs. Comrade Chairperson, please, let's proceed. Comrade, uh, we have tried, and many comrades are sitting down, and Comrade Ronald is saying, when we come back from lunch, all delegates will have a places to sit. Can we now continue, comrades, with our community? Thank you. Comrades, we want to call upon with the messages of support, that's where we are. Can we then call upon the Sanko to come and deliver the message of support? The South African National Civic Organization to come and deliver the message of support. Uh, comrades, to all of those who are going to deliver messages of support due to time constraints without me putting time, Please limit your messages of support. Limit it consciously. Long live the revolutionary alliance led by the ANC. Long live! Long live HICP, long live! Long live Kosato, long live! Long live Veterans League, long live! Long live Women's League, long live! Long live Youth League, long live! And Gossip Program Director, the Kashele, which Kokelos African National Congress, Kokelos Chairman, who come to Kwete Mandashe. Umbimbilo Alliance Nani Delegates Mulwin. We are here as Sanko. Uso Kunika, a message of support. Ulen Mungu Tela, African National Congress, Ibalegangak. We want to tell you, Ukutin did. Kange Ibe in Kelulu figure a lap, but there were challenges for obvious reasons. That Eastern Cape, as Uchepesinechilo, this is the home of legend. We are here, Makabana Sukakunsungulu, to tell you that in this province, 
the alliance is intact. That is why in the local government elections in 2021, we have managed to retain this Buffalo City Metro, such as Anokaja, is because of the intention of the alliance up in Eastern Cape. As he has yoga tinasi cost sanko, as it is one chapter says we are part of the alliance, quick programs of action to second. We want to tell you, Makabane Ukutu, we know at the national space there are challenges around Lendwe Sanko, but not with Lungisa, because we can't go without the Sanko. Comrades, this is an important gathering called a conference. Our understanding of a conference, Makabane, is a platform where we take a stock. Ukuti, Leminyaga, to build this organization to improve the quality of life of our people, which is the agenda of this ANC that we know. We are here to take a stock, but unfortunately, in the process, there's gone and elections. As Now, all I want to tell you, Makabana, is that you are Simanyene, Sake Umbibila Alliance, Sake the African National Congress. All what we know, Tina, as Sanko, is that the ANC is the heritage of the people of South Africa. Lili Falabandu of South Africa is Also, what we know is that the leaders will come and go, but this ANC will remain. After all, who is this ANC that we are talking about? Is that the ANC, the masses of our people, Gabo African National Congress? National Congress. We are part of this alliance. Because, comrades, Ababagayas, Isanko, Imiswe, Dr. M. Plain, Mandela Plain, Kazin Hablis, Snellstreet Committees, where we organize Abandu on the basis of the problems that they have, irrespective of political affiliation. In the process, Sibaka Lelika Aletu, the African National Congress. Sinabandu Abba, because African National Congress not Ziyazi ndoba ukonu mbutu wa bashali, basa shupaka bani baguti. Lakana anasastensi suwa kuyo, asikafiki kuyo. Endi, mpundisi, siyatanda standi, noba kunini safika, lakana ana, tui African National Congress. Okwa kaloku njema kabane, ama temba na makalabani basa South Africa, asali hapa kuyo African National Congress, irrespective of the problems that are there. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Comrade Pasuk. Cosatu.
kusatu ngaji mustalo lo comment kunene luzayi baya abonakala kala kumuntu uxayisesa baya eh ngosi kakhulu amanda amanda Gawetu Gawetu Emanyane nse SNK bayimanyane Engosi hlalo Osibhexeshela lenqubo Sijoine wena hlalo ku protocol that has been established in extending revolutionary greetings to everybody that is here we respect chair the issue of time and we want this conference chair to continue therefore allow us chair to be very short in our message and paraphrase our message as cosatu firstly chair we appreciate as cosatu our invitation to this conference We believe Chair, that our relationship with the ANC is premised from an understanding that trade unions are not political organizations but can be a platform from which to draw the required political muscle to advance the struggle for the poor and the working class. That is why Chair Lenin once said and I quote Trade union organizations not only can be of tremendous value in developing and consolidating the economic struggle but can also become a very important auxiliary to political agitation and revolutionary organization close quote Chief Albert Lutuli chair once said at the launch of SAC2 in 1955 and I open quote I am glad that South African Congress of Trade Unions stuck to in brackets has not listened to the ill advice that they should not be interested in politics. There is an African saying that if you are pricked by a thorn you also use you will also have to use a thorn to get it out. Workers are oppressed by political action they must take political action in reply close quote that is why chair we are always part of the struggles of the masses to liberate the poor and the working class kasa uhlala phansi isihlalo zindoni which are the immediate task of the leadership as awungena comrade that Mandela once warned about about the danger of what may seem as a revolutionary solutions which will deliver long awaited solutions immediately when he said that the struggle that will free us is a long hard job do not be deceived by men who talk big with no thought for tomorrow Freedom is not just a matter of strong words. 
Neither is it simple brave men and heroic deeds. Impatience which make men lose their heads will not bring freedom. In our 36 years of existence as Kosatu, we've always been guided by these wise words. As you so that's where we're going to leave uh, the ANC Eastern Cape uh, conference. We'll definitely be going back there to our senior reporter, Sipa Mandla Goge, as well as Avi Wemdila. We do know that uh, there is some breaking news coming out of certain members within the ANC in the Eastern Cape taking the conference to court as they believe there's manipulation with membership from a particular branch. Uh, we'll bring you all those details and more. Welcome back. And uh, that was uh, excerpts from the proceedings of the African National Congress Eastern Cape Provincial Conference. Um, we're going to go back uh, to the conference uh, to hear more about developments uh, inside uh, the ANC in South Africa. Thanks for staying with us. It's all systems go for the ANC Eastern Cape Elective Conference after it was halted four times. The conference kicks off today following confusion over delegates. National Chairperson of the ANC, Gwede Mantashe, is speaking. Let's listen in. Uh, this province must protect the right to govern. I'm having a program of talking to all the kingdoms here. I visited six of the seven. All of them. Now, I'm having one left, and I can explain why it is left. It's because it's been a bereavement twice. Now, you can't have a meeting of significance. Come cool, and I will undertake that visit. What is it? Comrade Jefferson, that you are doing there. First thing, let me make this note. All these visits, very few ANC people are represented. Very few. Now, if they are in a kingdom, ANC in it means the principle is liberal. The first principle is that we are a leader of society. Uba the leader of society, God help the Jansu Abandu, come cool, I see it in. Yeble society didn't lay. Okwesbin, the liberal very important principle you got here. ANC must be located among the people. No bango ban. Apok tibenabandu kona, yens my bekon. Now, uba yens. I can tell you, Comrade Chaperson, Uguti, at least in the OR Tambo region, in three kingdoms, the ANC was represented. 
In other regions, there was no ANC. There was no ANC. Except one person, Now, Ubagunja, ANC is what is to rebuild Uguti. It is a leader of society. It must be rooted among the people. And that means any kind of meeting in society, ANC must be there in ANC colors. Don't hide it. Now, and this is about a very important issue. They are about providing society with information regarding ISIS mix Now, why is it important? Because Eastern Cape has a lot of potential to be a gas complex head office. And that project is linked to the LNG that we are developing in Nelson Mandela, LPG project, and those projects must connect. Now, because the development of this province complete is urgent. In July, one of the riot and its members was that we have not tempered with the apartheid architecture of the economy. 50% of the GDP of the, of the country is in two provinces. It means that architecture, the apartheid of the three legs, Gauteng, Natal, Western Cape, we have not tempered with that. It is a serious indictment against the ANC. Therefore, Initiatives in the province to develop the province must be taken serious. Yesterday we were in Limpopo. We gave them the same message. We are launching a, a dump truck there. That is not using fuel, but it is using hydrogen uh, cells to move. And we said it creates an opportunity for us to develop a particular version of the economy in Limpopo. We will be drilling for, for petrol, for oil, in the Northern Cape before the end of the year. It, it is tempering with that architecture. And I'm ap appealing to you, comrade. The gas development in the Eastern Cape requires your, your, your support. So, the, this talk to, to, to you, comrade, that uh, if we don't develop this province and grow it quickly, we will not reduce the risk in the economy. It means we can be disrupted in two provinces and collapse the economy. Now, and this talk to delegates in this conference. These delegates cannot fight to death on the basis of elections. Let me repeat this. You are all delegates here. There's almost no one saying, John Gaitale, Pusa went to the Prince of Maka, who is a Prince of Now, if that is what we're here for, 
uh, were in a wrong meeting, were crying in a wrong funeral. Salila, song as a woman or wrong, go to Salila. You, you, you. You can't have a conference that is focusing on elections. The conference must focus on policy discussions. You are lucky. You are holding your conference after the policy papers for the policy conference have been released. That should be the preoccupation of the conference. So that Eastern Cape Policy Conference and the National Conference leads in terms of development of the content of the policy. Now, but when you focus on the cat, whoever will say the winner are celebrated, it's a hollow victory. Empty, 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 empty. Because it will mean that out of this conference, we'll have no program for that new leadership. We'll not know what we're expecting of that new leadership. Policies determine program for an elected leadership. So I'm appealing to you, let's spend our time and spend our time on policies and the conduct of those policies. Now, out of this conference, committee, we're going to need something to encourage. Encourage the holiday, comrade Courage is the management of and the truth and the truth over fear. That is courage. Abalgutabatinile, brave. How brave? It doesn't mean that you're weak. But it means how so eager you triumph over that fear and continue doing things and that is courage we need that because it is this division that defines bravery over cowardice my conclusion is that fighting one another as if there is no tomorrow as if we are enemies of one another is actually self-destructive You mislead yourself and think that if affection wins, then there is victory. Self-deceit, when you feel in your head, if victory if victory is selection of the best team to lead the province irrespective of which faction they belong. If that comrade is good, we elect him. If the other comrade is good, we elect that comrade. We put a team. Because we elect collectives, but we never ask a single question, Yoguti. Nancy the collective, individual members of the collectives, what attributes do they bring to the collective? The Ketwenan, a contribution in that team. What is the contribution I'm making in that team? Or am I just a fellow traveler? That's it. 
And in the way we go about with elections, we're going to have a big army of fellow travelers and very few people who carry the actual burden of leading the province. You see, when we're electing mayors, we started a process of interviewing candidates. No. ENC is starting a very painful process with your meritocracy. Election and selection. In one exercise, you interview them, at least you take a qualification, you take a track record, you create impression of good elements that will make success are there. Meritocracy. You elect and select in one process. But I know what in other very uncomfortable go show of hands. Niketu Now the problem you may ask half the time Now Go to run the processes in the municipality and employ other dwarfs. Then Umaspala collapse. Singa yes, but Umaspala collapse. Singa, I appreciate you good issue of process yet. Comrades. So, I'm appealing to you, comrades. Um, Let's begin to take it serious, Uguti. Let's get a leadership at municipal level. Because you have a leadership at municipal level, for granted. In reality, you have a leadership is a pyramid. Top leadership of the organization is as good as branch leadership of the organization. Over quick gaps in between. That top leadership is going to falter. The pyramid here called the fewer top, more in the, in the provinces, more in the regions, many in the branches. But we have levels of leadership. In the levels of leadership, that leadership is going to collapse now. So, I question as strong of the ANC, comrades. Even if you see that faction is never stronger than the ANC. The ANC is stronger, stronger. This reflects the strength of the ANC. Can it divide You are weaker, divided. Now, and that section has a limited capacity to rebuild the ANC. To believe that winning over infection is winning is self-betrayal. You are betraying yourself. But real good it does not exist. How is the power on your own and you cut others out? How is power? Now, 
the a strong and united ANC in the Eastern Cape Comrades will send a message that there is an opportunity and a chance to revive the African National Congress National. Ubani Pumagla Conference Nitesa. Even the slightest hope of renewing and rebuilding the ANC is going to disappear. Yabonamos, the Gendini, Baba Niziniki, Kamel Balega, Kuluba, Nilipondo Lengwen. You are the province of the legends. Now, as legends, as Kulimitin, the Kulabu process, the organization, the valley, I always have a question. Remember, the NSA has a question. Kagustiwa, equality and membership, you weak. Weak. I always go back and ask the question. I do that in the NSA, I do that everywhere. The, the equality leadership in Jani. Because in membership, you can't recruit. Abanyas were recruited at the conference. What do we do, Kabefikile? Do we throw punches into that quantity to convert it into quality? Or say, yeah, and just must call and over the membership week. Now, I have fundies. I have Every Sunday, but Kulusia to Every Sunday. Without exception, Uvila the school is for Uba Waters as Zuluin. Uba Waters as Zuluin, who fund is for Octanders. Fund is for Octanders. Tina, we recruit members, singers fund in a pledge. Then come back and say, the membership is weak. It's about weak as if they are in the ANC. See, Pale, Pepe, we must go back and take them through. They born our time school, Comrade Lamol. Very important. But you can start to create 12. We are to create 8. We are create 8. We are create 8. We are going to create 8. We are going Ufundiswe ua likanda elomsila. Kalufunde lomba likanda elomsila. Kalufunde lomsila sufake rongo. Silumba haya ufakwango kongswe zanzi. Ibengu a. Asienzi lendo wapo kwenzi. But we come back together. Sisi leadership seat. In membership. In week. I go weak in membership. In leadership, I win Zoom 7. Why? Leadership, I go Ramaphosa. In leadership, it's a branch. You can campaign as a Kuala Yomindautin. campaign as a council. I won in a branch. He can't win the council. Go say he can't win. He program. Yeah, he plays there. He program. Now, so Gumbutonja, 
So I'm raising this thing, Comrade Ogote. Choices that we make in this conference will determine the future of the province and the future of the ANC. You can still engage. In my own view is that if you don't talk to one another, you are not going to come up with a united conference. And Kate, all of last unions and discover good lie employer with those unions don't talk to one another, they write letters to one another. Write letters to one another. For two months versus strike it. And we had to call them and force them to sit in a room and talk to one another. So each choices that you make in this conference will determine the future of this province and the future of the ANC. You can make choices to throw the, the province into disarray. You can make choices to pull the province together. You may force factions to talk to one another. Okay? You may force them. Somebody will have to impose that. But Tetani. Okay? Now, leadership, comrades, and success are both a choice. I don't mistake. It's a choice. The most unfortunate part is that many leaders and veterans of the movement, many, many of them display loss of hope. You know, in the article they found every day where to predict the end of ANC is going to die. It's not the enemy that makes that prediction. It is us. We bring high field, second to Now, and many of us, of us, come to that conclusion because we dedicate all our time in developing a diagnosis of the problem. There's no effort to find solutions, and we limit our message to, neg to a negative one uh, about ourselves. Obama would tell society, I was a journalist there in Thailand. Obama would go to a journalist today. He would say, Ma, I feel a little school. And Gamma Salong, there's corruption, Gamma Salot, so forth. Each journalist like that, they replicate that message and begin to write the obituary of the ANC. That must change, comrades. That's why we must be able to say, Jai Kunzeima, Enda Wene Tile, Kubwe Malengaga, Sailandele Langosho. Okay. Umdo Tile, Obeniku Responsibility, Ui Chile Imali Organization. Amapolita Sembopini, Ula Mula Semfagele NPA, Ya Prosecute, Sijonge, you don't deal with corruption, go shout. You deal with corruption, Obama, prosecute, and convict. Now, and as nobody and veterans, a right wing, the fascists, are emboldened, they are on the offensive. Right wing and fascist are on the offensive. 
all of them, anybody who offers any attention must insult the ANC. And we are articles as he can alumn because we insult ANC. Umdu upon the ANC to a board, yes, I board, Lungsan land. I figured no, I booked a muscle ANC. Lomdu Oti. The message has got on Oti. I have no responsibility because he ain't see a coming life. God appoint you Every time I say meeting in airport, you are But I got a responsibility because he ain't see a coming life. I need to cover it for two weeks. Galondo. And fiduciary duty as a board member. board member and board members. We board member eighty and the full nuclear. board. They board the niggas space to protest and resist nuclear. But I have bought a nuclear entity called the public iPhone in nuclear. Say phone at nuclear. Sunia Kapanga Sepai, Chepese. Sunia Kapanga Nuclear Feather Panga Sepai, Yaki, Ibenins Kualabekor. Now, board members plan now develop a counter strategy now therefore comrade you know in deployment by deployment, go to a cadre development agency. We are expected to forget few things. Ukuti, in 1994, every head of department in South Africa was a white male. Every head of department, every mayor was a white male. Every teacher was a white male. Uh, all of a sudden, we must forget that and say it deployment is evil. Who come with signs? Who come with other signs? Did a survey. Of months, job 65% abandoned our appointed to strategic positions qualify. It means we have 65% success with deployment. Now, because of the 35% a problem. We must neglect the police. Go and answer for the game. Like a 65 percent, a symbol C. Symbol C, very important symbol, very high symbol. Now, see no symbol C. We success the implementation deployment. Thomas Yeg. Now, therefore, we must build commitment on the positive, and continue to rectify the negative. We build on the positive. We continue to rectify the negative. Now, we must, confer, we must never affirm 
ukuthi black means mediocrity we must promote a black excellence ikhona bakhona abantu abamnyama aba excellent what doing well let's give them a chance to succeed and support them now what a movement of hope comrades what a movement we must reconnect with our people we must apologize where it is necessary but we must not retreat retreat and fail to engage in reimagining an emboldened fascist movement yabona mosustenezwe nosuka uh, on the base of the western cape amotho ukraine afike pa akwele phezu kwendaba athukusele and we must say thank you very much policy papers are released let's read them comrade and now all i can do now is to wish you a successful conference eh uyabona ke komnyonyaka abandale mabuyana ndakenda ngu secretary general komnyonyaka le province yakho yes we caught 12 times we kumbula lon 12 times we defended the anc 12 times we succeeded 12 times now you don't take that for granted you invest time and energy in the defense of the movement okay the conference maybe impumelelo nimkapa nivana nonke nipume nake yinsa strong thank you very much
Comrades, secondly, we are mindful of the fact that there are delegates outside. And those delegates must come in. So we are looking at that. That's why I'm starting by saying, guess. Richard 1, 2, and 3. Because we've got to create space for delegates of the ANC. This, this comrade is a conference of the delegates of the ANC. Talan Bans Makawan. Talan Bans Makawan. Okay, thank you. Comrade. I only thing when I order you to do that. So, Ushalo has brought that to my attention. I'm raising. Since I landed there like a I got to a Kelondo. I tell you, this is our must prove it. messages of support. He the address in Ziwe and was. I'm going to say, I'm going to Comrade, is that an order? Can you say a e, e microphone? Paya. Eh, not the Sanders, Paramise Nuati. Comrade. Manda. Oh, okay. Manda. Viva NC Viva. Uh, can I say to your undivided attention? Chair, I'm a branch delegate from Winnemadikizela Mandela sub-region. My identity is Tolo, a branch delegate. Chair, in the ANC, we recognize a Congress as a very important school to be provided to delegates. And obviously, whoever accredited to participate in a Congress. In that sense, Chair, in the spirit of renewal, with the commitment to ensure that Comrade, yes. Comrade, what is your order? Okay, thank you, Chair. Thank you. Chair, you, you are saying there are delegates outside. When you will say, the Pelastalo will direct her in Kompa to assist delegates in Apande to get inside Congress. 
usekyole ukutala kwazo thank you chair thank you uh, comrade that is exactly what i am doing i brought it to your attention that there are delegates outside let us allow the messages of support so that by the time we start the business we would have done with the messages of support Welcome back. And uh, that was excerpts uh, from uh, the ongoing uh, African National Congress uh, provisional uh, conference in the Eastern Cape. And uh, we'll uh, continue to cover uh, these developments uh, in South Africa uh, over uh, the Pan-African Newswire. We'll take a break. We'll be back with our concluding segment.
welcome back. Uh, the voice of uh, Brenda Holloway, uh, Motown's own uh, via Los Angeles, California. How many times did you mean it? And are you listening to uh, the Pan-African Journal? Worldwide radio broadcast uh, for Saturday, May 7th. Uh, 2022. We're broadcasting live from our studios in downtown Detroit. I would like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in uh, to another edition of our program. Uh, Right now, we'll go uh, for the world today uh, to focus on uh, the role of the United States in Ukraine, uh, the visit uh, by uh, United States House of Representatives Speaker uh, Nancy Pelosi uh, last uh, Sunday uh, to meet uh, with uh, the Ukrainian leadership. Of course, uh, there's been a commitment uh, for an additional $33 billion in military assistance and other forms of assistance uh, to Ukraine from the United States in order to keep the war going uh, as long as possible and also, uh, as they articulated earlier in the week, to weaken Russia. Let's listen in uh, to uh, the world uh, today. Daily news and analysis. We keep you informed and inspired. This is World Today. Hello and welcome to World Today. I'm Jiang. Coming up, Nancy Pelosi pledges U.S. support in an unannounced visit to Kiev as evacuations begin in Mariupol. We bring you more on the latest development. Violence erupts in Paris as thousands of May Day protesters raise pressure on Macron. What's behind their demands? Iran vows to continue nuclear talks until national interests are utterly protected, but it's time running out to restore the Iran nuclear deal. To listen to this episode again or to catch up on previous episodes, you can download our podcast by searching World Today. U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi paid an unannounced visit to Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky over the weekend, becoming the highest-ranking U.S. official to visit Ukraine since the war began in February. Pelosi led an official congressional delegation to the capital of Kyiv on Saturday, the first of its kind since the war broke out. Pelosi vowed that the United States would support Ukraine until the fight is done. The trip came as about 100 civilians were evacuated from the battered Azovstal steel plant in Mariupol. Officials say about 1,000 civilians have sought refuge in a vast steel plant, hiding in underground chambers for weeks as Russian artillery and airstrikes pounded the site. Conditions have become increasingly desperate as water, food and medicine are running out. For more, we are now joined on the line by Paul Felgenhauer, a Moscow-based political analyst. Thanks for joining us, Powell. Thank you for having me. Uh, so what do you make of the message of Nancy Pelosi's visit to Kyiv? Well, it's a um, political message uh, to, from Washington to Kyiv that uh, the United States uh, supports uh, the Ukrainians and that there's a very strong bipartisan support and that Congress will Uh, support any kind of uh, uh, legislation that will provide a different kind of aid, military and non-military, to Ukraine. So it's a, and this is a very high-ranking American, of course, official, the uh, speaker who is number three in the succession for uh, the presidency if something goes wrong. So it's a very high-ranking official uh, visiting directly in Kiev. 
That's a strong political message. Yes, indeed.、Uh, well, Pelosi vowed that the U.S. would support Ukraine until the fight is done. Actually, we know that the visit came two days after President Joe Biden asked Congress for 33 billion U.S. dollars to bolster Ukraine's fight against Russia.、Uh, I mean, what do you make of the impact of the U.S. support on the war in Ukraine? Well, it's becoming decisive because Ukraine, of course, is a much smaller country compared to Russia, and economically, its economy is in tatters. And so, yes, of course, without Western support and primarily American support,、uh, Ukraine, Ukrainian resistance would have most likely already collapsed. So, it's absolutely. A necessary component for this fight to continue is that the West and United States, in particular, will continue supply and expand its aid, economic aid, financial aid, and of course military aid to the Ukrainian government. Yes, but Russia's foreign minister Sergey Lavrov he has accused NATO of fighting a proxy war by supplying military aid to Ukraine, and he also warned that the risk of nuclear conflict. Were now considerable. I mean, how do you look at those comments? And and do you think NATO has、uh, actually been involved in a proxy war? Well, the West is surely involved. Not maybe NATO as an organization.、Um, I mean, it's、uh, its headquarters, and,、uh, because it's、uh, well through through what it's how it how it functions. But the、uh, members of NATO, United States and allies, of course, are fighting a proxy war. That's Um, uh, clear not only supplying weapons and expertise to the Ukrainians, but also、uh, imposing、uh, very serious punitive、uh, sanctions on the Russian finance system, on the Russian economy. And so, this is, yes, this is a, a proxy war between、uh, the West and the East right now.、Um, so, does that mean the risk of、um, a nuclear conflict? Or what、um, Sergey Lavrov mentioned about a, th- a third world war. Do you think that's that's going to happen? Well, there's a lot of talk about that. There's t- some say that the third world war already began or something,、um, but maybe by proxy. But well, it didn't begin. Now the threat of、um, this escalating into a direct military clash between Western forces and Russian forces exists. And such a confrontation could we escalate further into a nuclear confrontation? That's also a possibility, though right now it doesn't seem actually that uh, uh, serious. Well, it's serious, but it's not uh, imminent uh, in no way. And actually, Lavrov said that, that there is no imminent threat of such a situation, but the potential it is there, and that should be taken into consideration. And Nuclear deterrence right now is actually used by Russia very much.、Mm-hmm. Yes.、Um, well, actually,、um, Lavrov also said that Russia's goal does not include regime change in Ukraine, which he said is an American speciality. And he emphasized that Russia wants to ensure security for all people in eastern Ukraine. But thousands of civilians have been killed and millions displaced since the war began in February. What do you make of all this? Well, that was、uh, well、uh, words. That's kind of、uh, war PR, I would say,、mm-hmm. to some extent.、Uh, basically, yes,、uh, Moscow is ready to accept 
the surrender of, um, of uh, the Vladimir uh, Zelensky. Uh, that's what Rostov said, that he should give orders for the Ukrainians to lay down their arms, and then everything is going to be fine. At the same time, he compared uh, Zelensky to Adolf Hitler, so that doesn't mean that Russia actually likes Zelensky at all, and maybe you'll be happy to see him go, but for the time being, they're ready for him to be president if he signs on the dotted line what Russia wants him to sign. Well, uh, in in the meantime, it is reported that the EU will propose a phase-out ban on Russian oil imports as part of the fresh round of sanctions against Russia. And this comes after Germany called for a phased-in ban on Russian oil imports. So what do you make of the likelihood of, of a full oil embargo? Well, an oil embargo, at least to cut back in the purchase of Russian oil by European nations, is very much possible. Basically, they can find supplies of oil in other sources. Uh, Russia will most likely find other buyers, but both sides will be at a loss because European uh, 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 oil refineries are tuned to use Russian oil. Russian oil, I mean, it seems that oil is a kind of world commodity. Well, it's not actually that simple. Um, it's always a, a very in, uh, kind of uh, instrumental connection between the refinery and its source, and if the source changes, you have to make a lot of changes in the refinery. That costs money and time. So Russia will most likely continue to sell its oil to other buyers, though most likely it would at a discount and maybe sell less. So it's like Iran, who was also pressed by the United States to stop all their oil exports. They didn't stop their oil exports, but they cut back. And that would be, of course, for Russia not good at all, because she will, Russia will surely lose revenue, and Europeans will have to pay more for their oil. Yes, and actually Hungary's Prime Minister, Viktor Orban, has warned his government would not yield to any pressure to extend sanctions against Russia, uh, gas or oil, as that would like, likely kill the Hungarian economy. So how hard is it for EU member states to, to reach a united front on this issue? Well, the EU is a very big organization, and many decisions they take you have to take unanimously. And so if Hungary digs its heels in, that would mean some problems. Though I believe if uh, the other nations will be ready or ready to um, impose an embargo, Hungary will not be able to stop that because, well, I mean, if you don't want to buy Russian oil, you don't buy it. And Viktor Orban cannot tell you, go and buy it. Uh, if you don't want to. So if Germany and other major uh, purchasers of Russian oil decide not to buy, and uh, Hungary can't stop that from happening. Mm, but uh, So this is a kind of, again, a public stand by, uh, by Orban, but which will not really have that much a strategic impact on the real situation on the ground. Mm -hmm. uh, the thing is, what will a full oil embargo mean to Russia? And do you think that is going to force Russia to pull back from Ukraine? Or do you think that is likely to further escalate the tensions? Oh, to escalate the tensions, it will mean that Russia will get much less 
uh, revenue. And but again, the problem is right now that uh, what to do with that revenue because the, of the very serious sanctions on Russian financial system and central bank. I don't think that that will immediately impact Russian political military decision making, uh, but that will make life worse for Russia, its government and its people, and may ha and will have a growing impact in the future. Again, you have to you can look what's happening with Iran, which um, cut its oil production and exports very drastically under American sanctions. It didn't change Iran or the Iranian uh, uh, regime or anything, uh, but it has a very serious impact on Iran. Yes, and, and back to the situation in Mariupol, uh, because the United Nations have said that the evacuation of civilians from the steel plant has been really complex and risky. So, I mean, anything could be done by the international community to avoid um, this humanitarian crisis in that area? Well, right now, there, the, I understand the International Committee of the Red Cross has intervened, and they are actually organizing this convoy to bring out civilians trapped in the fighting in the Azov style in a uh, uh, steel melter or what's the ruins of that melter uh, out to Zaporozhye. Uh, they are very apt at such operations. They are very neutral. They never talk about it much, unlike the United Nations. Most likely, we should hope that they'll do the job. That's what the International Committee of the Red Cross, the Swiss, know how to do, to work in such environments with all sides and have the confidence of all sides. Okay, thank you, Bauer Falkenhauer, a Moscow-based political analyst. Coming up, violence erupts in Paris as thousands of May Day protesters raise pressure on Macron. So what is behind their demands? You're listening to World Today. Stay with us. You're listening to World Today. I'm Zhao Ying. Tens of thousands of people joined May Day marches across France on Sunday. Many people protested against the newly, the newly re-elected re President Emmanuel Macron's plan for a pension reform. The demonstrations also focused on demands for higher salaries and the soaring costs of living. There were clashes between anarchist groups and police in Paris, where a real estate office bank branches, and a McDonald's restaurant were attacked. For more on this, my colleague Liu Kun earlier had a talk with Wayne Grant, Emeritus Professor of Politics at University of Warwick. Professor Grant, thanks for talking to us today. Um, Labor Day marches are a tradition in France, but what do you think are special about the marches this year? Well, I think the trade unions of these marches is an opportunity in the wake of the presidential election to protest against policies that are advocated by President Macron, which they don't like. They want to make it clear that they have an alternative agenda and that they are prepared to take whatever action is necessary to pursue that alternative agenda and frustrate some of President Macron's objectives. Macron is trying to push for this um, pension reform in the country. And uh, what, what, do, what do you think about people's general feeling about the plan? And why do you think so many people are very unhappy about it? Well, it is very controversial. I mean, people in France have been used to retiring at the age of 62, which is very early age by West European standards. And mm -hmm. of course, once you have an entitlement of that kind, they are very reluctant to give it up. Now, I think Macron has already indicated he may be prepared to compromise. And instead of having a retirement age of 65, he might be prepared to settle on 64. 
and maybe he'll be prepared to make further concessions to at least move it a little bit beyond the current age of 62. But people are very attached to what they see as a fundamental right in France. Now, um, a lot of attention is right now being paid to the French parliamentary election coming up in June this year. Do you think uh, Macron's party will be able to win a majority? How does it look like for him now? I think it's possible. It's quite complicated. I think there are two big questions here, leaving aside the rather unusual nature of the electoral system where you have a two-stage election and candidates have to get 12.5% of the vote to go into the second round. So I think the two big questions are what are going to happen to the seats held by the centre-right Republicans. They at the moment have just over 100 seats in the National Assembly. Mm. They did very badly in the presidential election. Um, I think they're going to lose a great many of those seats. I think that at least some of them will go to Macron's supporters, and that will help Macron. The other question is what is going to happen on the left? Will Mélenchon be able to form some kind of pact with the socialists and the Greens? I think the socialists might be prepared to do that because they're in such a bad condition after that disastrous performance in the presidential election when they didn't even reach 5%. Um, I think the Greens are much less likely to agree to a pact because they have a lot of disagreements, particularly over the subject of the European Union. Mm -hmm. Um, So it may be quite difficult to get a pact on the left. So on the whole, I do think that Macron will be able to put together some kind of majority. Well, as you mentioned, uh, the parties within themselves are having a lot of disagreement uh, regarding the role of the European Union. Um, I mean, Macron himself is pretty much much, uh, pro the European Union. Um, How how does that agenda is, um, you know, being felt in the French uh, general public right now? Well, I think obviously the result of the presidential election was a confirmation of Mm. Macron's general strategy, which was to remain engaged with the European Union, whereas Le Pen would have wanted to effectively hollow it out from inside and make it just an association of states, whereas Macron is pressing for a more integrationist agenda. I think on the whole, the majority of French people are accustomed to France playing a major role in the European Union, and they see the European Union as important for the economic success of France and, and Europe more generally. So I think in, on, on the whole, people are generally supportive of the European Union. That doesn't mean, of course, to say that they don't have disagreements on particular issues. Mm. Well, Macron himself uh, are, are believed by some experts to be, you know, the next leader for the European Union after, you know, former German Chancellor Angela Merkel has retired. What do you think of this point? Uh, do you see him, you know, as a potential for the next uh, generation of leaders for the European Union? I think that's certainly possible. I mean, I think, you know, the, the new German Chancellor is obviously, he hasn't been in office very long. He's not the kind of figure that Angela Merkel was, who was a very dominant person in the European Union. So there is a kind of vacuum there, and Macron would certainly aspire to fill that vacuum. I mean, I think he has to be a little bit careful not to be a little bit too arrogant as he's inclined to be with other member states. You know, the other member states have to feel they are listened to and their views are taken account of. But on the whole, there clearly is scope for French leadership, particularly in terms of some of the economic challenges Mm. that the European Union faces. Yeah, I think uh, what you mentioned, you know, the uh, whether Macron himself will be able to listen to the different voices within the European Union will be a big challenge for him uh, going ahead. Let's take a look at, back at the domestic agenda that we just uh, mentioned. If Macron cannot push ahead with his pension reform plans, does that mean that his agenda on other issues will be hampered as well? 
It could do. I mean, I think the pension reform is absolutely crucial to his domestic standing. And I think the more frustration he has on the domestic level, which is entirely possible, the more he will switch his attention to the European Union and other forms of international leadership. In other words, if he's frustrated at home, he will then turn to the international stage and try to uh, have some kind of leadership role there. So I think it's, it's always very difficult in France to get reform. I mean, people will take to the streets very easily mm. uh, and protest against any changes that are brought about by the president. So he has a very challenging time ahead. This is a deeply divided country. Well, now, uh, Professor, why is France, compared to most of its European neighbours, spending more of its economic output on pensions? Well, that's a very good question. I think mm. it's really a historic fact that um, France has all, for a long time had this very generous pension system, and Italy has had quite a generous system as well, but they've tried to move away from it. Uh, countries like the United Kingdom have been much more concerned about the burden that pension payments place on their national debt and public expenditure. And in the case of the UK, the government has simply been able to face down the public and uh, you know, oblige them to have a pension age which has been raised to 67. So um, it's a very different political calculus in different states. I mean, I think in France, people again are prepared to take to the streets to protest. Mm. In the UK, people just accept the government's decision, you know, somewhat reluctantly, but they don't feel they've got any alternative. And Macron himself was a, or was working in the investment banking industry before, you know, uh, um, was elected mm. to as a French president. I mean, but he was um, accused by some people as uh, a, for being a president for the rich. I mean, can does, does that bother him, or do you think he will be able to fix that image? I think it ought to bother him. Whether it does bother him is another matter. I mean, mm. he was, of course, an investment banker. He comes out of this very elitist uh, French education system with the anarchs. I mean, admittedly, he's reformed that <laughs> to some extent. So he does have an image which is quite negative in terms of reaching out to these very deprived parts of France, not just the old industrial areas, but I think what has emerged in this last election is how far people in rural and semi-rural areas mm. feel deprived compared to the uh, pros relative prosperity of the cities and towns in France. So I think it is, a, it is an obstacle in terms of trying to get his policies through. Whether he's capable of changing that image uh, very readily, I think, is another question. I'm not sure that he is. He is the kind of person he is. He does have this rather Jupiterian view of the presidency. OK, I mean, he's mm. tried to move in his acceptance speech to a more consensual position, but I don't think it's easy for him. Well, still on that, I mean, uh, as you mentioned, there's a lot of divisions within France, especially when we see, you know, the huge uh, number of voters um, who are kind of leaning toward the right wing um, candidate Le Pen. I mean, uh, when we consider this kind of environment and also this kind of in condition in France, do you see him, uh, I mean, after the election, trying or at least, uh, you know, making efforts to reconciliate with uh, the, this kind of group of people? Oh, I think he certainly wants to make that effort, and he tried to make that clear in his speech mm -hmm. on the night of the presidential election. He wants to reach out to all French uh, citizens and try to bring more unity to the country, but that's a very difficult task. I mean, mm -hmm. some of these areas, the, not just the old industrial areas, which have had problems for a long time, but also the rural and semi-rural areas are a long way behind the rest of the country in terms of amenities, and it, there's no easy answer to that. I mean, it's been shown <clears throat> that there's a very direct relationship between how far you are from a railway station and whether you vote for Marine Le Pen. Mm. And it's not easy to devise solutions which would help 
the problems that these areas face. So I think he's going to try, but mm. I think it's going to be quite difficult. Well, one more question, Professor. Um, I mean, you're currently based in the United Kingdom, and people have been talking about, you know, the kind of uh, division or friction between Macron and UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson, and it is expected that, uh, you know, the the ties can be mended between the two after Macron was elected uh, for a second term. Do you see that happening, or does um, is is the UK France um, relations among the priority for Macron after he's in office? Well, certainly not a priority. I think he's got more important things to think about. I think、mm. I don't think he has a very high opinion of Boris Johnson, who he thinks he's not a serious person.、Mm. And of course, the very difficult issue here is the Northern Ireland Protocol, because it seems that the UK government is going to introduce legislation which would enable it to unilaterally cancel、mm. the protocol. And as far as France and indeed other member states of the European Union are concerned, this, is, this will be a completely unacceptable act. It will be a breach of an international treaty. And it will probably lead to trade reprisals by the European Union. So I don't see this relationship improving very much unless there is a change of British Prime Minister.、Mm-hmm. In that case, I think there could be a reset of the relationship. That's Win Grant, emeritus professor of politics at the University of Warwick, speaking with my colleague Liu Kun. Coming up, Iran vows to continue nuclear talks until national interests utterly protected. But it's time running out to restore the nuclear deal. And remind our listeners if you want to hear this episode again or to catch up on previous episodes, you can download our podcast by searching World Today. And for further discussion, you can also follow us on Twitter at CGTN Radio. You're listening to World Today. We'll be back in a minute. You're listening to World Today. I'm Zhao Ying. China is vowing to stabilize economic growth while maintaining COVID-19 prevention, prevention and control. The Political Bureau of the Communist Party of China Central Committee has held a meeting to study and analyze the current economic situation and related work. Participants of the meeting said that China is facing new challenges of stabilizing growth, employment, and price amid the pandemic and the Ukraine crisis. They urged more to be done to strengthen macroeconomic policy adjustment to realize the goals of economic and social development this year. For more, my colleague Zhao Yang spoke with Chu Qian, assistant professor of International Monetary Institute at Renmin University of China. So, first of all, Dr. Zhu, the key meeting has vowed more support to keep the economy steady. So, what are the main takeaways from the meeting? Well, the main takeaway is that the central government have a very clear understanding about what's going on、uh, here right now、uh, in the economy.、Uh, we have another surge of the COVID right now, and、uh, for the safety of people's life, and but also for the stability in the market, we need to strike a balance. So, on one hand, we need to lock down certain regions and cities, but on the other hand, people still need to make a living. So, the central government really have to save. A lot of tricks or save a lot of tools to support economy.、Uh, waiting for this moment, because、uh, in the first surge of the whole world,、uh, China doesn't、uh, carry out a very strong incentive. But right now, I think、um, we have already met the moment that we need to carry out more of the incentives in the fiscal policies and in monetary policies.、Uh, just to say a little bit, for example, we're gonna. Uh, have more、uh, easing monetary policy to help SO 
uh, to help the SME, the small and medium-sized economy uh, enterprises. And also, we need to issue uh, subsidies for people, for the household, for the uh, daily consumption. And also, we need to uh, subsidize local government for uh, their prevention and control uh, policies. For example, the nuclear test every day and uh, to build the emergency hospital and etc. So and all this need to be considered as a package uh, to provide support. And you mentioned the fiscal and monetary policy. China's central bank has recently announced new policies or financial policies to support lending to the business related to the tech innovation. So how do you think it's effective? Well, usually for the tech companies uh, in China, uh, it's very hard to get the financing. Uh, America, the reason why is the largest tech market in the world, a leading player, is because America has a very mature system for the uh, equity investment, for the uh, risk investment. Um, so that leads to the tech company uh, a position in the whole world right now, because for the tech companies, they always start up in the garage. Uh, they start up with just a, a smart brains, and they have no collaterals. Uh, poor students, uh, young technicians. So it's very hard for them to get the financing through the traditional channel in the banking sectors because banks require you to have but collaterals, assets, uh, but direct financing market doesn't require so. China is developing its direct financing in the past uh, decade, but still on the way. Uh, and China's banking sector has already been very mature. Mm. But it's still for the banking sector is hard or the banking sector to break the traditional rule to help them. So right now, the government is step out and say, we need to help those tech companies, uh, especially those SMEs. Mm. And then you can lower some standard, lower some interest rate, provide more help to them, and the government will share partially the responsibility and the risk for you. And I think this is going to be a good news, not only for China, but also for the rest of the world, because mm. with more unicorns of the tech it's going to benefit not only Chinese people, but the rest of the world. Mm. And the government also demanded efforts to regulate and guide the healthy development of the capital in China. This is aiming for a new economic model of high-level opening up. So what do you make of that? Well, that uh, is going to conclude uh, that segment uh, of the Pan-African Journal Worldwide Radio Broadcast as well as concluding our program uh, for uh, today. <clears throat> that was uh, The World Today, and um, we're going to be signing off. Uh, you've been listening to uh, the Pan-African Journal, the worldwide uh, radio broadcast uh, for today. And, of course, um, all you need to do in order to have access to this program is go to our website at the Pan-African Radio Network. That's at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Pan-African Journal. And if you'd like to read the Pan-African Newswire, just go to our website at panafricannews.blogspot.com. We're going to be closing out uh, with the legendary Dinah Washington uh, with a compilation of uh, tunes from Dinah Washington. This is Abayomi Azikawe signing off and have a beautiful week. Your heart of mine is singing 
Deep as a river 